Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of After Further Review, episode 96. Oh, by the way, next Friday, John. Yeah. Next Friday, right before the holiday, the holiday week, I should say. Yeah. Is our 100th episode. And well, I, have I, a, I, I hate have a to tell you, Mark, but uh, yeah. due to my new uh, my new gig, uh, next Wednesday will be my last day with After Further Review. Uh, so 99 <laughs> episodes is all you're getting, people. <laughs> Not true. All right. Not true. That's, that's, that's true. remarkable. Yeah, how about that? But next Wednesday will be, is that your first day? Thursday. Thursday rehearsal and then Friday night game versus the Heat. A week if I pass th- the background check. Uh-oh. A week from Thursday. Yeah. Week from Thursday is the rehearsal, yeah. So. Wow, I f- I figured that you'd be putting in a lot more practices. Usually, the head coach is there far in advance of the first game. There, <laughs> no, I'm not coaching. I'm not coaching the team. I, I, and if we, if I did, I I'd be horrible because I don't like the shot clock. So I would just have them go straight to four quarters at all times. It's going to be a limited, a limited amount of success that way. You you don't like the shot clock, John? Not at all. Take it off. Get rid of it. Why? It's one one place where I'm really old school. One place? I don't think I'm old school. A lot of other places. Where are other places by old school? <clears throat> well, I would I would say you're uh, where we both are old school with the DH. It's pretty well, old school. Is that even old school now? I mean, that's just I, I don't even know what that is anymore. The DH is old school for. I, I, I mean, the shot clock is is, is yeah. No, I don't like the shot school. clock. I, I love it's those old school. It's before old school. It's I know like before the NBA was even the NBA. I agree with John here, and I also think that John may agree with me on the three-pointers because they, they've they kind of ruined the game. There's no real inside game anymore. I'd back them up another 14, 16 feet. I mean, if you're going to do it, then I want it one hand throw up. That's it. You know, None of this set shot from the just beyond the top of the key. Yeah, no, I love Mark. I want to see like those old, uh, those old 10 to 9 games. Yeah, exactly. I think there was a game with uh, – North Carolina and Dean Smith went to the four quarters and I think they scored like four points in the first half, but I think they were up four to three. Now that's basketball. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really compelling, compelling basketball. Although I guess in a, in a way you could argue that it is, you know, it's what, it's what you get used to. It's what anyone can get used to. We can yeah. get used to, we get, we're, we're totally used to masks and not going out and, you know, not traveling. Well, most of us, uh, we're used to all of these new things. It's amazing what we can get used to. It really yeah. is. And, and we're, we're used to, we, we adjusted to a 60 game baseball season, you know, yep. basketball's turning around. Um, you know, they've adjusted so much that they, you know, that you are now a PA announcer for a NBA team. You're the voice of the Toronto Raptors for crying out loud. Well, I don't know. That's so what, I don't, I don't think that's what the NBA out there. I don't think that's what the NBA wants to lead with for 2020. Hey, look at this. Look at this Yahoo doing, doing 20 games ish. Good Lord. Well, let's see if it happens. You know, it's one of those so, things where, as as with everything in the world, I am completely uh, prepared for this to, com- to fall apart. I hear you. I hear you. You know, my, my son, you know, is slated to go to Singapore as a, a John Lennon and a Beatles band and like one of the only Royal Caribbean cruise lines in the world because it's relatively safe in that part of the world. And he's been quarantined now for seven weeks there because of wow. all kinds of shenanigans and hoops and other things that have happened. So who knows yeah. if that's going to happen? Who knows if anything's going to happen? You're absolutely right. To that, Mike Krzyzewski has some point. We'll get to it a little bit later in the show, but we want to talk about his comments on college basketball. We'll talk about college football as well. The uh, the playoff uh, standings came out. The rankings came out. Yawn uh, yesterday. Although you know, how about College of Carolina just zipping up the zipping up the rankings? That's but coastal, we'll talk about coastal. That's coastal Carolina. What did I say? College, College of Carolina. <laughs> you just don't care. Just, uh, if, uh, College, coastal College. What the hell ever it's called? God, you're such an elitist. Uh, see again, you again. Really? What are you bitching and moaning about? The only college football teams you care about are the top five or six. You, no, you no, hate no. those lower level teams. No, I don't. I I enjoy. Strangle I them of opportunity to no. play in bowl games. No, I don't. No, I think they should be given more opportunity to play in better bowl games. Right. I have the problem with the late, the lame bowl games. I did have a problem with it. I've turned the corner on yeah. that. But I do have, I do have a strong equal opportunity uh, gene in my in myself that wants justice for the little guy. I really do. So coastal. Yeah. 
Carolina, college, college of coastal. I think part of I think part of your problem with the bowl games is the silly names. Once the names got silly, you know, when it was the Magnolia Bowl or even the Pecan Bowl, when it's something like that, you could get behind. But when it became the like Iowa Amway Wheat Thresher R and D Services Volkswagen Bowl, then you started you started having an issue with it. Pro ethanol bowl is when they, you know, the <laughs> Iowa one, the Iowa all corn fuel bowl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and you know, and I think a lot of people turned the corner on that truthfully with the pool and weed eater bowl, which has been gone forever. I think pool and I, I don't think uh, they were shut down due to that, you know, that thing uh, that we're not allowed to discuss. Uh, pool and may very well be around, but that was like the first really weird, you know, because before that it was, Still the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl or whatever. But I think I think that uh, actually marks some of the silly names. Yeah, it might have turned a few people. Because yeah, for you, yeah. it's the armed forces, man. You just you just can't stand the armed forces. God almighty, you that's you are so no, anti-military. It's not about the armed forces, it's about Bell Helicopter. <laughs> that's the problem. Well, it's about Bell Helicopter. About 80% responsible for Vietnam. So Exactly. Okay. They're complicity in, in just, just dragging <laughs> that thing on for, you know, a half a decade, if not more. So, um, but we'll talk about the college football playoff and Ohio State's in a bit of a pickle, I think. Yeah. Uh, about that. And uh, we'll talk about the NFL as well. Uh, surprises. Biggest surprises. I thought that's the best way on a, on a Wednesday to kind of talk All about right. the NFL. Because I, okay. I have three ones off the top of my head that I didn't even have to think about. And I think they're all very fun. And I'm sure all the, the, the two of y'all probably have some as well. And then I'm going to throw out a question for our listeners out there. Uh, that they can respond to on podcastafrgmail at gmail.com, and that will be at the end of the show. And not only that, speaking of old school, John, we are bringing back progressive trivia today. I, it's not like I didn't enjoy the trivia. I enjoyed the trivia. It was a lot of fun. Right. But um, there's, something, there's something comforting about progressive trivia. There's, right. some, there's something warm, inviting, and comforting. Around the holidays, so much insecurity about, about the – the virus and what's going to happen. And as yeah, the temperature at our bank accounts drop, yes, we need Indeed. to wrap ourselves in a blanket of something warm. Yes. And, and, and we do have a little hope at the end of the tunnel with the, with the vaccines coming around and perhaps, you know, perhaps that will, will save the day, but it, but at the moment, at the moment we need a little comfort. So let's go to our progressive trivia first set of clues coming up right now. We're looking for a baseball player. Cause what's more comforting, John, than uh, the pastoral, Sport, no, formerly known as our national pastime. <laughs> uh, I played for 17 plus years, scored over 100 runs in the season two times, and batted a career 274. That's a, a career is a new uh, sort of the evolution of the English language. A career 274. <laughs> career numbers. Oops. See, I, I I blew that. See, wow. Look at that. So forget the 315. It's 274. Yeah. We just mentioned that. Okay. 2500 plus hits. All right. 1600 plus RBIs. Mm-hmm. And he's a gold glover. So he batted 274, not 315. Okay. 2,500 plus hits, 1,600 plus RBIs. That's quite good. Scored over 100 runs in the season two times and over 17 years in the bigs. All right. I thought you were throwing out a math problem. So, and it's like add those two numbers together and divide by two, and you'll get his average. Yeah. That, that's that, how that sounds like a trivia question. Difficult. Yeah. Those were, those were like my trivia questions. Yeah. He, he's, he's rusty. Give it a minute. That's okay. It's all right. I'm, it's true. I'm, it's true unilaterally decided to make this work. If it all collapses, I, it's not on my shoulders. So I'm, I feel good about it all. <clears throat> all right. The Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl from Frisco, Texas. December 19th. Just coming up next Saturday. It's the tie-ins. All-American Conference or the Conference USA or a MAC or a Mountain, Mountain West Conference. Last year was Kent State and Utah State. Mark, you remember that one? We had people I over. I, I don't. <laughs> hey, I, it looked I, like I, it was a decent game. 51 I, to 41. Exactly. I, I, I don't. Uh, it is not Mike Schmidt, but that's a nice guess. And it's not Will Clark either. Wow. 51 41. All right. Biggest surprises in the NFL. I, I will give you my three right off the top. And then I'd love to hear any of them ones you have, Johnny, Jeff, mm -hmm. uh, comments by Lenny and Joe, who are, you know, loyal, loyal viewers. Yes. Um, on the, on the, on the live stream and we have a few uh, loyal listeners on the podcast as well. First thing I would say is that 
the Rams surprise me every week. It's not this season. It's every week. The Los Angeles Rams surprise me. I have yet to know who they are, what they are, what they'll do, how they'll perform. And tomorrow night's a perfect, perfect uh, example of that. Isn't that tomorrow night, the Rams and the Patriots, or do they play this way? I think it's Rams and Patriots. Uh, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. How how interesting a football game is that? Yeah, Seriously, I, it's very, very interesting, and who knows how that's going to play out. Who knows how that's going to play out? Now, the Patriots have not done well, I don't think, against the uh, NFC West this year. So we'll see how they respond. But we did know that, you know, Belichick shut down that vaunted Rams offense of two years ago with Todd. Yeah. Todd Gurley was banged up, but he, they, they scored seven points. Yeah. And they're and also, the- we, we, we mentioned it as well, New England's kind of figured out their offense with Cam a little more. Like I said, it's not really a downfield, terribly dynamic passing game. But they do have a better handle on it than they did early in the season. So I just think we talked about it. I think the Patriots, throughout the rest of the season, they're in the playoff hunt. Uh, whether they make it or not, really doesn't matter to me. I think they're going to be a team nobody wants to play moving forward. And to your point, Mark, the Rams um, tend to be an enigma. More good than bad, but there yes. is bad that worries you. It, it just You just don't know from week to week. They're 8-4. and four. They've lost the Dolphins. They've lost the Niners twice. You know, I think they maybe play up or down to their competition. Perhaps that's maybe a that little bit one of the deals. It's not Rod Carew, by the way. Steve Carricker with a uh, with a guess in there. All right, University of Virginia offensive lineman Steve Carricker. Uh, Very nice. Contractually did obligated to mention. Did by the way, did not did not care for your feelings about bowl games. By the way, uh, he's out. He's he's the guy. He's the yep. guy. Doesn't care for you. <laughs> Steve, I, I apologize. I, I have, for what it's worth, I've turned the corner on that. And um, it's, you know, because of uh, people that may not have an opportunity to ever do that. And now they do because of the, uh, you know, bowls like the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl from Frisco, Texas. This uh, bed of college football fandom. All right. So uh, Josh Allen, to me, is a massive surprise. I, yeah. I don't think anyone expected him to carve up the 49ers defense the way he did. He was 32 of 40. He mm-hmm. threw for over 400 yards, I think, and f- or 300 yards and four touchdowns. I think he's had two or three games now this season where he's had over 300 yards and four yeah. touchdowns. He was on fire. He can, he can win with his legs. He can move the chains with his legs. His accuracy is unbelievable, the way he sees the field, and it's his third year. Yeah. Traditionally, in the NFL, John, it's the third year that, that quarterbacks who are going to be good – really do blossom. And I know we've had uh, quarterbacks, obviously, recently and in the past to some degree with like Dan Marino that have uh, accelerated that timeline. But three years is sort of when they start figuring it out. And I'll tell you why it's a surprise. Everyone thought he was good. He started off fine. Tenth overall pick, I believe. A little bit in a couple of games. But he is performing at an, an elite level. Yeah. I mean, this year he, he he can be compared with the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I think. And no, that's I don't a think there's any doubt. I don't think me. there's any doubt. And coming out of college, remember the the knock on him was that he wasn't an accurate thrower, and he's proven to be an accurate thrower. Both uh, certainly a much more accurate thrower in the pocket than he had been. And Troy Aikman kept. Uh, I think it was Troy Aikman um, or Moose Johnston. All those ex Cowboys. They all look and sound the same to me. Um, he uh, pointing out that uh, while, be at the Frisco Bowl. I'm sure he will. Uh, while rolling right out of the pocket, Josh yeah. Allen's a nightmare for people because he's like six six and I, he can move. And when he he is dangerous when moving to his That's right. And I'm not sure why the Niners weren't just adjusting on that side of the ball. It was really interesting. It's it's like they couldn't dial up anything. That could that could slow them down, and that was an impressive win by the Bills. And they're nine yeah. and three, and they're a miracle throw away from being ten and two. Let's face Absolutely. it. Absolutely, yeah. So that's and, a and ten and two team basically at this point in time. And remember, after last year, they were playoff team last year. But we thought coming into this season that they were they'd be among the fifty percent of teams that did not make the playoffs because you know it's generally about half turnover. And we talked about Buffalo being one of those teams that we thought, oh, third year under Josh Allen now. Maybe people have a little more film on him. You know, it's maybe they caught up with it. He's just gotten better. There's no doubt about it. And I don't know why, because Lamar got so so much credit last year for his improvement, 
And I think Josh Allen is right there this year. I think you could look at Josh Allen and go, my goodness, at, you know, year in and year out in his three years in the league, he's improved every year. He's very impressive. Yeah, and and continuing to be more and more impressive, almost to to a scary point at this yeah. point in time. And the last one, Lenny brings up Alex Smith, comeback of the century. There's no doubt about that, but it it has to do with that. It has to do with Washington Redskins are a mate. They're Washington a team. football team. I'm gosh, that's I'm so sorry. You're they are gracious. a delightful. I really am. They are, and I just don't know why they changed it. They uh, are, you know. So, you know. Every time I make that mistake, I'm going to claim it wasn't a mistake. Okay. Fair uh, enough. So I, I look, I don't look incompetent. I just look racist and I'd rather have the, uh, wow. Just okay. totally, totally kidding, obviously. But, um, <laughs> that's a, the, the Washington football team is yeah. a delightful surprise. I can't believe they did what they did. They were down 14 to nothing. It looked like that game was just going to be a, you know, Washington's had a nice year. They beat the yeah. bad teams, and now they're going to get blown out by, you know, this 11-0 and team. And they hung in and hung in and hung in, and Alex Smith was ter- terrific. And and here they are. You know, they're tied. They're, they're in second place technically because they've lost to the Giants, but Twice. they are right there. They are right there in the NFC East, and they are playing well. They are playing very, very well right now, and so are the Giants. But to me, Washington's much more of a surprise, especially with Alex Smith. Interesting, because I was going to say, for me, the Giants were more of a surprise because I did not expect – I was not a huge fan of the Daniel Jones um, draft, uh, drafting Daniel Jones, and I thought they would be really the bottom of the barrel in that division. In fact, I thought Washington would finish third and that uh, the Giants would finish last, and it looks like it's going to – you flip that around, the Giants are going to finish first and Washington more than likely second if things play out – according to oil, which they won't because it's 2020. So who knows what's going to happen? Um, but I would say uh, the, the Giants are a little more surprising to me. But to your point, Mark, people weren't really paying attention to the fact that Washington had compiled some really good defensive players on the defensive line. And um, uh, Jeff and I were texting during that during that game. Chase Young just looks like a home a home run, if not a grand <laughs> slam of a draft choice. He is a difference maker. They already could get pressure on you with four guys. But now they have about – they can do that with just four guys, and they have about seven guys they can run in and out to do that and stay fresh throughout the game. So defensively, they're good. With Alex Smith, and I agree, it's got to be close to the comeback of the century. Um, the offense has uh, settled down into a, a more efficient – they're not a terribly dynamic offense at this point, but they've become more efficient. And with that defense on the field, 21 points for Washington, going to win you a lot of football games. I agree with that. And I, I don't think they'll ever be that dynamic. You know, Alex Smith, any offense he's run in his long career has never been that dynamic, but he's he's proven to be one of the best game managers out there. Right. And he can keep and he can keep a, a team on the field. I mean, that's what you want. You want to keep them on the field, and then you you keep your defense fresh. And you're absolutely right. Chase Young, much like Nick Bosa was last year, a yeah. complete difference maker, and it's all starting to gel. And Ron Rivera. Seems to be the perfect fit, right guy, right time, I think I agree. And um, karma's on their side because of the name change. And um, <laughs> well, I, I always think, like uniform uh, changes for that because I always remember all that futility Denver had right. in Super Bowls. And the minute they changed their uniform, the minute the t- uh, Titans became the Titans in Titan uniforms, and they weren't Oiler uniforms anymore, boom, they're in the Super Bowl. And so the I think it's more than the name, the Bucks as well, and more the than Pats. The name. There you go. Uh, more than the name, I think the uh, the, the uniform. uniform is the is the deal. And I, I really I, I hope Washington, whatever the name of the team, I hope they stick with the numbers on the helmets. I absolutely love that. I really do. So those are my three surprises. Um, how, about, I, how about you? I know I you mentioned the Giants. Yeah, I was going to say the Giants because I really expected them to be the last place team in a terrible division. Now, they're the first place team in a terrible division, but I do think they're also a couple of uh, – a couple of plays away from having a couple more wins as well. They played everybody tough throughout. They're defensively, they will punch you in the mouth. And I will fully admit I was wrong on Daniel Jones. Uh, I thought he was a bad choice. I thought they overreached with him. And as Joe Judge and that coaching staff learn how to use him, 
And I think that's really something that we're, we're starting. We're seeing a lot more in the NFL, Mark, is that the fact that everybody isn't that prototypical. You know, Josh Allen is sort of a prototypical guy. He's a big guy big, yeah. with a gun. He just adds an, an uh, uh, athleticism that we don't often see from a man of that size. But I think we're seeing coaches are, are starting to learn how to utilize athletic quarterbacks better. And I think the Giants have done that. So very, very, very big surprise for me. Justin Herbert is a big surprise for me as well. Because I I drank a little bit of the Kool-Aid. And you know, I watch a lot of Pac-12 football. And I watched, uh, you know, through the, his career, definitely not. Obviously, I haven't had as much chance this year. But uh, two years ago, I thought he was the best thing since sliced bread. I'd have taken him first, all of that. Um, his final season in Oregon, there was a bit of a drop-off. But I just don't think it would look closely enough to see that that drop-off had a lot more to do with what was going on out uh, other than Justin Herbert in, in Oregon, because he looks, here's another guy. He's got all that size, 6'6", six, six, um, and he just plays. He's not as athletic as um, um, Josh Allen, but maybe a stronger arm, which is saying an awful lot, because he's got a cannon. He has played, uh, I think, above his years. The game doesn't seem too fast for him. So he's been a nice, uh, a nice surprise for me as well um as far as other surprises in the nfl just trying to think of teams that are bad that i expected to be better um not i don't think there's a ton more that's surprising me i mean we knew the nfc west was kind of going to be what it is right now was sort of going to be a an incredibly difficult uh division teams are going to be bunched close together um i think all of those teams are good um, I don't know that any of them are great, which might be a little bit surprising. And um, to be fair, you know, I think the Dolphins at eight and four after 12 games. Yeah, a little a bit ahead of schedule. But, we, but we've gotten well, we knew they were way be ahead better. of schedule, yeah. frankly. But I, we knew they were going to be better. We I did. think most people did. But we thought maybe they'd go from five and 11 to seven and nine. Right. You know, maybe threaten to go 500. But uh, the fact they're eight and four right now. They've been so yeah. good for so long of this season. We've sort of, it's sort of not front of mind anymore that it's surprising. Right. Possibly. But I mean, if they, if they ended up nine and seven, let's just say that, that, you know, they struggle down the stretch and go nine and seven. I think that's sort of where we saw them really sitting in that eight and eight, nine and seven position. So let's see what happens to the end of the year. I will agree. Uh, they, they are a surprise. And I think Buffalo and Miami in that uh, AFC East, that's the boy, the Jets better better pick up the pace because they could be in the cellar in that division for a very, very long time. Um, because both of those teams look like they're built for the future. Uh so that's that's about it with me. I, I am a little surprised that the teams in the um uh, at least in my mind in the NFC are uh that, that nobody is really impressing me terribly in the NFC. I, I well the, the Saints are starting to impress me. That defense is starting to impress me. They've given way better. eight points a game in the last four games, something like that. The Packers, Aaron Rodgers keep, continues to to play very, very well. So they're beginning to impress me. I've held held back on the impression or the impressive uh, credentials for both those teams, but uh, it's it's starting to filter in a little bit for me on this side. Nina Allen has joined us, and they're, they're in our comments section, they're talking about Ohio State and whether they deserve a playoff spot. If you hang on, Nina, we're going to talk we'll to that, you. talk about that in our next segment. But I want to go to Jeff first about his surprise, and then we're going to do a little progressive trivia, then we're going to get to the college football playoff situation and Ohio State's precarious position as we speak. Jeff? Well, going last, you know, a lot of the surprises have been taken off the board. I'm surprised that no one was surprised at the tire fire going on in Dallas. That is a, I, I mean, they are, nobody expected them to be a terrible team. And no, I believe no, they are bad. a I agree. terrible yeah. team. That's a, right? that's a big surprise. That's probably the biggest surprise. In I just didn't want to talk about them. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's great to talk about the fact that it's a tire fire. My uh, my other surprise is that even with all of the COVID things that have happened in the NFL, that they've pulled off as much as they have mm. with with this pandemic, and they they yeah. didn't bubble. They are traveling around, and they've had some problems, but they've pulled off playing games. Responding. Been yeah, really agile and responding job. as well. Yeah, yeah they have a really good job. And they have done a very good, nice job thus far. There's no doubt about that. All right, let's go to our second set of progressive trivia questions. We'll review the first one. First one has a lot of humor in it. Played for 17-plus years, scored over 100 runs in, in a season two times, batted a career, 
274. And then career 315. Is this on Twitter? You just have you, you have fewer uh, spaces to use? That's what it is. That's yeah. what it is. So forget the 215, uh, the 315. It's 274. Wow. Over 2,500 hits, however. Over 1,600 RBIs. That's a lot. Gold Glover. Next set of clues. Let's see if there's any comedy in this. 11-time All-Star. That's a good amount. Led the league in RBIs twice. Led the league in games played six straight years. That's amazing. And I have won at least one MVP. So those are our progressive trivias thus far. And now we turn our lonely eyes to the college football playoff and um, and to Ohio State and their predicament. They have five games. Games are being canceled left and right on them. Michigan-Ohio State game, I believe, for the first time since 1917. Yeah, 103 years. Yep, 103 years, ever since the birth of JFK. And um, that's rough. That's three games so far it's been canceled for, for Ohio State. Nina, who is a big Cleveland Browns fan, Cleveland Cavalier, Indians, and Buckeye fan, you know, she understands the situation, and she blames the Big Ten for starting so late and for, you know, not necessarily diving in when the ACC and Big 12 and SEC dove in. And certainly that's an issue right now because, you know, but at, at the same time, maybe they were right because they're they're getting a, a lot of COVID cases up there. They are. Up there. The, the second wave is striking that area of the country yeah. a lot more. And maybe, maybe they were right. And they're just, you know, they're just in a bad position, but you know, the, the big thing on Twitter or whatever it is, the big social media thing is Texas A&M now is off this week. Yep. Ohio state's now off. Yep. How agile is the NCAA to schedule a game between a, you know, two top six, te- top five teams, top yes. five teams. Yes. I love the idea, but it's not ever going to possibly happen. They're not that agile, are they, John? No, it's a win-win for the NCAA, so clearly they won't do it. God almighty, why would we ever, if there's a bad decision to be made, why would we make the good one? We're the NCAA. You know, Um, I have a thought on the Big Ten. Go ahead, John, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Get, yeah, I, I think I think the problem they have is that they made their call so early. Yeah. They remember the Big Ten and the Pac-10 were so early out of the box making the call. And had they just held back and waited to see what happened, they could have gotten those early games in where yeah. there didn't seem to be that many problems. And you've seen it in other conferences where they're just saying, all right, these teams don't need to play. So we're not even going to play these games happening yeah. in the ACC. So maybe the Big Ten could have done some picking and choosing on what games needed to be played and what not been, had to be played. And they could have gotten some uh, teams in this playoff, at least oh, yeah. 18. hundred percent. We talked about that the other day. It's why did you commit to canceling the season so early when other, other conferences really hadn't even made up their mind yet. And there didn't seem to be anything there to say, you know, you have to make up your mind right now. Logistically, if the Southeastern conference and the big 12 and ACC can do it, the big 10 can do it, but you're right. Uh, earlier on in the warmer weather, when we weren't having quite as many outbreaks, they probably would have gotten a couple of these games in. Maybe we would lose the Ohio state Michigan game. Cause that's always a late season game. But at this point, Ohio state would have already qualified. Yeah. And they would have had seven games in at least at this point, yeah, you know, and it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been an issue. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, I think that's that's valid. I agree with Jeff. I think more so than them deciding to when they decided to start starting later than people thought they had to. I think it was just committing way too early back in the summer to canceling everything. They could have carried that along. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, they may college football may not be able to end their season period at this point. We don't know 100 percent because we don't know if these if this continues to blow up, if some of these uh, teams can't even play championship games. But uh, that said, the big question now, outside of Texas A&M, Ohio State, which would be amazing, and I'm certainly so good. Uh, Jim so Fisher would crawl across cut glass to play that game because, boy, would that be, you know, if Texas A&M could then upset Ohio State, because that would clearly be an upset, then I think the argument if Florida gets blown out in the SEC championship game by Alabama, that, hey, I mean, you know, if Texas A&M may be as good as anybody else in the country, um, as well, there's also discussion about letting Indiana and Ohio State play for the the championship, which I think would be great uh, for the Big Ten. And then the other question, while we're on this, is or will outside of everything, will the Big Ten just simply decide that Ohio State is obviously a good enough team to play for a championship? So we're going to throw out the five game rule. This is going to require them to be agile, and I don't know that they can. Yeah, that's interesting. If if Texas A&M were to beat Ohio State, even by a point, 
right? Mm-hmm. And then Florida were to beat Alabama. Yeah. How do you think Florida, because now Texas A&M would have head-to-head beat the number four team. Yeah. And they only have one loss, and that's against Alabama. And Florida would have beaten Alabama, but their one loss is against Texas A&M. I, I still don't see how Florida gets in with that. I didn't say that Florida. I, that's not what I said. What I said was if Florida gets blown out by Alabama in the SEC championship game, if Texas A&M has a win over Ohio State, I think that they then can, could be in the discussion depending on what would happen. Because I, I think Texas A&M is going to be out of the discussion no matter what happens. I think they are the highest ranked team that will, will nev- never be in the discussion because of where they're sitting. But I think if... If uh, Texas A&M beat Ohio State, they'd be in regardless at that point, right? Because Ohio I don't know State's that they would. Be, I'm, I, I don't know that they would be in regardless. And even if Florida beat Alabama, is what I'm saying. Is I that, don't. I don't know about that. I, I, I don't know about that. I, I think I, Florida I, and and Miami are in the same position right now. They're outshone in their own division, their own well, conference. Flo- yeah, but Florida. All, all Florida has to do is beat Alabama. In my mind, if Florida beats Alabama. In? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Right. Yeah, so I think if they beat Alabama. If Texas were to beat Ohio State. Texas A&M, yep. Texas A&M beat Ohio State and finish the season with one loss and a win over a top four team mm-hmm. and probably be ranked number four going into the last weekend of the season because they will have beaten the number four team. Yeah. And Florida then beats Alabama so that Alabama, Florida, Texas A&M all have one loss. Alabama's beaten Texas A&M, Florida's beaten Alabama, but Texas A&M's beaten Florida. You think Florida would hopscotch over Texas A&M? I think there's a possibility because they would have played in one additional game, and it depends on what would happen in that in that game. Yeah. And then what? your thing about Indiana and Ohio. Now, wouldn't I, I thought it would be Ohio State and Northwestern since they're in two separate divisions. No, uh, I, the, the argument is that the teams with the best records, the two best teams, uh, uh, two best resumes at this point are Indiana and Ohio State. And uh, they played such a great game at Ohio State that uh, give them another shot at them at a, at a neutral site. I, I've just heard that, that that's an argument that's up there. So don't look at me like it's my idea and it's a stupid one. That's actually been talked about. And Indiana, by oh, the way. I know, but just because it's been talked about. I'm just saying these are things that are out there for possibilities for sure. what they could possibly do. Because if, if they are going to stick to this, that there has to be an additional game, uh, then... I mean, just have a normal championship game. I mean, There's, Northwestern's earned that right. Mm. They have one loss. Indiana has one loss. Yeah, I know I Indiana's know. loss is a much better loss because it was to Ohio State mm-hmm. as opposed to Michigan State. I think right. that's that's who they that's who Northwestern lost to. But you know, it's sort of unfair if that that's always been established that if you win your division, that you play in the conference championship right. game. Right. I don't. Know well, I think all of the, I think all of the uh, conferences and the ACC did. It. I think all the conferences should have just played games and said to top two teams. Played for the champ. They should have thrown out that and, a long time ago. And that's for, just for the ACC, season. right? Only the ACCs did that yeah. this year, which I think is great. I agree with you, which means Miami could play Clemson again. Yeah. Even though they're in the same, I mean, they were in the same division. I, I would have thrown out, division, thrown out the division play and expand the playoffs by two teams. That's what I, if, if that would have been what I would have put on the table for this, uh, for this season. I think it would have benefited you. I think you would have had a better playoff tournament than we're going to have. And I think you would have an opportunity, which you so infrequently have, for uh, for an actual real upset. Because the teams that end up, the, the top four teams that end up, you very, you know, Washington snuck in one year. But, you know, it's generally been the same six teams on a rotation. Which answers Joe Connolly's question. What's that? How can they justify a five win, maybe six, when you have eight no Cincy, eight and one Miami, nine and one Liberty, nine and one BU by you and ten and no Coastal Carolina because it's Ohio State. They're yeah, supposed exactly. to be there. Exactly. To quote Sergeant Barnes from Platoon, there's a way things are and the way they ought to be. The Ohio Deep State is what I'm going to call it from now on. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, that's that's fair. That said, I mean, I think if you're a fan of college football and you want to see the best teams, I I think it's hard not to argue that Ohio state is in the discussion with, you know, maybe, maybe with a, with a, with a Texas A&M and a Florida. Um, and as much as I love the coastal Carolina story, there's no chance in hell that even an no. 18 playoff that they get. Course. Yeah. Be, be so, very difficult. So here, here's another scenario I'm throwing your way, John. I know you get annoyed with this, but okay. So Florida, so beats, Al- Florida beats Alabama. Yeah. 
Um, Ohio State wins a sixth game, so they finish six and zero. Mm-hmm. Um, does Florida get in over Ohio State? Because they're going to get in over Texas A and M if Texas A and M just, you know, they're they're because um, they can't play for a championship. They can't, you know, that's that's just right. they, they're robbed of an opportunity for one more quality win, no matter what for Texas A and M, which is why I think playing Ohio State would be, you know, the equivalent of that for them. Um, in that scenario, I think I do think they would they would uh, I would lean towards yes they would, but I think that that would be an eye test thing a little bit. I think there is a little bit of eye test stuff going on with the committee. I think they are looking at teams. And again, I don't know what their criteria is at the end of the season. Is it the best resume top to bottom, or is it the teams with great resumes and who you believe is the best team at that point in time? I don't know what the answer to that question is because they've never really fully told us. They haven't. They haven't, and they won't. No, because I don't think they know. It's all a mystery. I think it all depends on the year. I think it all depends on the year. You know, so. All right. So let's do another progressive trivia. The third set. It is not Cal Ripken. I saw Cal Ripken guess. And you haven't guessed, right, Johnny? You have not. I have not guessed. No, I haven't. All right. So played for 17 plus years, scored over 100 runs. John's John's not happy with me right now. No. Uh, In the season two times, batted a career 274. Oh, paranoid. Ignore the 315. 2,500 plus uh, hits, 1,600 plus RBIs. It's a gold glover. Good work out of him. Uh, 11 times. Overachiever. <laughs> yes. Led the league in RBIs twice. Led the league in games played six straight years. Won at least one MVP. And the next one, led the league in home runs twice. Never played in a World Series. Won back to back MVPs and hit over 500 home runs. So that would, should help. That should help a little bit. Never playing the World Series is a big is a big guess is a big uh, big clue. So I think Johnny is uh, texting me as we speak, and uh, we'll go to the uh, next segment, which is about Mike Shashevsky's comments and just the overall state of sports and the pandemic. Yeah. I think uh, Jeff mentioned it earlier that the NFL so far has has uh, has been agile has they, has they dealt have. with problems, but they've moved on. They've rescheduled games. They've canceled um, or, or they just postponed some games. They've they've done a nice job and so far so good. And it hasn't uh, been perfect because I think that Steelers uh, Ravens thing, I think maybe if they had that to do all over again, they might choose to do that in a different way. But I don't think you can expect anybody to be perfect at any point in time, let alone this year. And again, I'm just impressed because of all of the sports leagues. Which one did you think would be the most monolithic? Yeah, I would have thought the NFL. And as would I. That that's not the choice. That, that's not the I. answer. And your guess, by the way, John, is absolutely correct. So okay. well done. Yep. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So at any rate, Mike Krzyzewski comes on and um, talks about um, he's just wondering if they should reassess everything. The NCAA should reassess because um, it's getting worse. Mm-hmm. They're heading into the worst six weeks. We probably all agree with that. Um, now, let, let's start the whole conversation off with the caveat that um, these comments came after they lost by 15 to Illinois. Right. And they're two and two. But he, he, in my opinion, he made some good points. He made some points that um, um, he just wants to reassess. He thinks they just set a date, they went for it, and they're just playing their games. They're just trying to get as many games as they can in uh, before the tournament. He thinks that there's physical issues that are happening. There are mental health issues. Obviously, teams, uh, players can't go home for Christmas because of schedules and so forth. Something right. that they probably could use is what he said. He he says he says, uh, you know, yes, there's vaccines coming. So why can't we reassess? Maybe wait a bit. There's going to be 20 million perhaps by the end of this month. There's going to be 100 million perhaps by the end of February. Uh, you know, why not? Why not? Uh, be a little bit more agile. And he says the reason the NCAA is not agile, John, is because everything is decided by a committee. And he doesn't even know what committee is in charge of, of, of what directive. He has no idea. And he says you, it, it's just hard to be agile when you, when you need a consensus. It's, it, no, I don't disagree with that. A couple things. Uh, you know, if, if you throw out the, just the comment that uh, Mike Krzyzewski thinks that they should be agile and reassess – I mean, I think they all should be reassessing 
almost on a consistent basis yeah. or on a constant basis at this point. Because, you know, and in college basketball particularly, because you really can't afford to lose games in college basketball and still, you know, you could lose half your games probably pretty close to it and still put together a really viable tournament at the end of the season if, you know, uh, hopefully things will be better then. But I think that that is, uh, is certainly something that uh, they should be doing constantly because we do need to look at it and the numbers are going up and more and more games are getting canceled. Um, but if his argument then is they should just pull the plug on it right now, then it really does look like two and two Mike Krzyzewski, which is what they are, is saying that. And I wonder if 1991 Mike Krzyzewski would have said that, because as we've said on this show again and again and again, and Colin Cowherd picked up on our show because we know he's a freaking listener uh, and they were talking about it today. What we're seeing in sports in 2020 is the most talented teams are the ones that are most likely going to win championships. The Dodgers were the best team in baseball. The Lakers were the best team in basketball, talent-wise. Everything. probably going to win the national. Alabama, championship. Clemson, Ohio State. I mean, it's you know, there's a reason teams haven't had as much practice. There's there's not as much structure, so the more talented teams win. Mike Krzyzewski's early '90s Duke's teams were always the most talented. They're not anymore. That's just part uh, and parcel of the changes in college basketball. But that said, I think he is 100% right in the fact that they need to continue to reassess as the numbers go up. Is it safe? Does it make any sense to uh, to, to move on with it? Or or just, again, it's college basketball. They play all games. Just a little pause. A little pause might be might not just, be a bad idea. Just a bit of a pause. I mean, you can. what do they normally play? About 30 games? 32 games ish. He had to, well, gosh, with the preseason tournaments and stuff now, maybe, you know, it may get up a little above that. But, but uh, if you yeah. can get 20 in, if you can get 20 games in, that's, yeah. that's, that's a fair, uh, you know, that's a fair way to, to access or, or and to if you can play enough teams in your conference as well. I mean, that has something to do with it because they play a lot more out of conference games in, in college basketball. But if you can get through so that you have, um, viable conference winners, uh, and, and play, play the tournaments, play the conference. Yeah, tournaments. Sure. Yeah. If you can. Yeah. 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 It just seems a little bit more. And I don't know if you guys agree with me, but it does. College basketball does seem a little bit more wild Westy in the COVID era and pandemic era than the, certainly the NBA or the NHL, but even more so than MLB and the NFL. Well, it there just, are many more teams. First of all, it just seems more, a little bit more wild, a little bit more out of control. And yeah. there's been a lot of cancellations and, you know, big teams are not starting off well. And I'm not sure if that's a result of all of this. Stuff. I mean, look at Kentucky. What are they? One and three the, for the first time since, I don't know, the Lincoln administration. Reconstruction, so, I believe. Yeah. Yes. So, I, you know, it's very interesting. I will say this about college basketball. At least it's not like the, like the uh, college football. You know, the, the big blue chip teams sometimes, you know, get filtered out and other teams have a chance to come in every single year and certainly recently, to your point, John. But I don't know. I think reassessing it, calming down, taking a step back, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because to your point, they can afford it. They can afford to miss that time and to check it out, especially at the height of what everyone says is going to be part of the pandemic over, yeah, the, think over you, the, the entire year. This next six, I think if, six weeks is probably going to be brutal. I think if you look at the, the numbers, the hard numbers, and I'm not an actuary or a statistics guy or even really particularly good at elementary math, but I think if you could look at it statistically and you could see that as you continue to play deeper into the winter, the number of cases are going up on your teams and the number of games you're losing. I, I think that if you if you can come up with that correlation, then a pause makes sense. But you, I, you would have to come up with that correlation. You'd have to look around and see if, it, if outside of just normally what's going on, is this also accelerating the chance? Um, and, of course, there is. There's a lot of travel in college basketball. It's not just one game on a weekend that you can keep people, you know, pretty isolated. It's, it's a lot more difficult, and there are more teams involved, and there are more states involved, and there are more conferences involved, and there are independent entities involved and more television contracts. And I mean, you could go on and on and on and on. It's just a, uh, it's it, there are more moving pieces in college basketball. Yeah. I was going to say, no I, I was going to say, I think the committee that's making the decision is the television contract committee. 
well, follow the money. As yeah. as that, that could be yeah, the name of the show. That's why I. That's why I sure. think they they're they're wanting to get these things in. I think that has a, a lot to do with a lot of these sports feeling the need to get games in, no matter what. Get a championship crown because of television contract money. Well, and it's a, it's a catch twenty two. I mean, I understand the 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 television. Uh, folks as well because it's it's a pandemic most of us are spending if not all of our time at home more of our time at home so these games are you're gonna have more eyes on them perhaps in some way they can they'll monitor they will if they can if they can or can if they will or either one of those things um they can get more money sell more advertising because more people are going to be there watching and, and um, having that game on the NFL last night, I mean, I sat and watched that whole game. I'm sure a lot of people did. It was an incredible thing to have another football game on a Tuesday night. Yeah, I, I do wonder if moving forward, as people have enjoyed the Tuesday night game and people, I, I wonder if moving forward, I wonder if the NFL works out so the Tuesday and Thursday thing become, so, you know, may, there might be a week when there's not a Thursday night game, but maybe there is a Tuesday night game. I saw an article that said that they're looking at possibly a 162-game season. <laughs> I like it. I like it as long as there's no designated, then designated passers. That's what they'd have. So Tom Brady played till he's like 70. You're not allowed to touch him. They have like orange cones around it. The NFL would have to have a designated everyone. There would have to, you'd have to have like 350 guys on your squad. Oh, my God. Well, one of the big sticking points of um, moving to 18-game schedule in the NFL is the Players Association saying, okay, but you know you're going to need 10 extra contracts on every team. And the owners, of course, are going, that's not how it works on our plantation. You need 10 extra linemen if you add a couple <laughs> more games in. I mean, those guys are going to get roughed up. Yeah, maybe just a 52-game season, so just a game every week. I mean, come on, you guys are that. Right. A game every week. It is just football every single well, week. And then it'd be, it'd be like, um, forever. it would be like um, soccer or fo- as they call it, football or around the rest of the country where those, those guys play, those teams play so many games and they don't mind like having guys take a couple of weeks off because they know you, we play so many games, we're going to lose X amount of games anyway. So why not do keep our guys healthy? Do, do, do we really want to go play Bayern Munich with the first team? Nah, we'll send the kids. If the so NFL could do one thing that the, the those soccer uh, programs do, it would be relegating. Could we, yeah. we could relegate the Jets and the Cowboys. Mark uh, Mark and I have advocated that in the NBA for years. Yeah. There should be yeah. a four-team relegation at the bottom. And then there should be some, like, sort of second division teams in, like, Fort Wayne. With the and, G League. With the G League yeah, coming and, up, it's a possibility now. Yeah, and, and also the and also MLB. I mean, that would eliminate tanking. Yeah, as a strategy to rebuilding your team, that would eliminate because you know you know because maybe you'd lose draft picks too if you're. Could you imagine? Minors, could you imagine right? the Red Sox drop down? And I think the great thing would be if they drop down below the major league level, they had to play with aluminum bats. So it'd be just the ultimate indignity for these guys who, and it would be, and the great part about that is too, is that you get these teams that are relegated in, uh, in uh, the premier league and they got guys making like 40 million bucks a year who are playing for like the division two championship. So you'd have guys on the Red Sox making $112 million and it'd be like, Oh, got a big one against Des Moines tonight. Hope we can handle them. I love that. Just the embarrassment of it. All right. So let's go to our, Let's go to our progressive trivia winner and we'll uh, preview uh, Friday's show, which should be a lot of fun because uh, um, last week, John, remember there were two games between teams that were above 500. Now it seems like the majority of games are big, high stakes, two yeah. teams fighting for a playoff berth. There's it's, it's the schedule's full of them this week. Yeah, so it's going to be really a lot is. of fun. I played for 17 plus years, scored over 100 runs in the season two times, batted a career, a career 274, career numbers 315, disregard, 2,500 plus hits, 1,600 plus RBIs, Gold Glover, 11 time All Star, led the league in RBIs twice, led the league in games played for six straight years, and I've won at least one MVP, and we know from the clues that he's won. He's won at least two, led the league in home runs twice, never played in the World Series. That's probably the giveaway. One back-to-back MVPs, that's another giveaway. Hit over 500 home runs, and that's another giveaway. Not a giveaway, but uh, things that can lead you very close. And John Pelkey got it after those that third set of clues. It is great, the wonderful, the amazing, 
Ernie Banks that never really even sniffed the World Series, John. Uh, the, the closest the Cubs came was during a division series that first year in 1969. Right, yeah. They had the lead. They were in control for most of the summer. And then the New York Mets, inexplicably, and we've talked about that on a deep dive, yeah. um, made a huge run in 1969. But Ernie Banks, what a guy, what a, what a player, what a, uh, in, in a way, kind of the face of the game for a while to some mm-hmm. degree. Yeah, one of them in a time where it, you know, he he was a player in that time when two teams made the postseason. So you he could was. be on teams that never won championships and you could be face of the league, which is really not possible and, any longer. And, and he was really coming toward the end of his career when division play happened. And I think the Cubs were kind of in in a, in another maybe 71 or 71. I 71 they were, they were hanging around. But uh, 69, that was a great chance. Leo DeRocher was their manager, and they had a great team. They had um, Billy Williams. They had Ron Santo. They had um, Don Kessinger. Uh, Ken yeah. Holtzman. Ken Holtzman as a Fergie Jenkins. That was a, was a pretty loaded team. Yeah, they were. Um, but uh, the great Ernie Banks. So here we are now. We've got Friday's show coming. Derek Abbott will join us. He's going to break down um, – a couple of games, and then he's going to talk about he's going to talk about Josh Allen a little bit and that Buffalo Bills offense, which is remarkably explosive this year. Yeah, I mean it's taken such a step up in terms of the entire offensive production, and their defense has always been pretty solid. And he's going to talk about what that offense is doing differently or how they're executing it more efficiently. And uh, we're going to break down a couple of games as well uh, from Derek. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be the Steelers-Bills, so we can talk about that. That's a very good game. And um, and then the Chiefs-Dolphins. I mean, that's a fun game as well. Yeah. I always go back to 1971, John, when I think Chiefs-Dolphins. Longest game up to that point ever played. I think it's been a clip since then, but at that point it was the longest game ever played. Yeah, and it was a Christmas Day game, and it was the uh, descendancy of the Chiefs. Yeah. You know, dynasty and the ascendancy of the of the Dolphins dynasty. They that was their the last. That, year. That, that was, if I'm not incorrect, wasn't that the last year that the Chiefs sniffed the playoffs? Until I remember they got Frank Gans as a head coach at one point. I believe it was a special teams coach. It was like the flavor of the month, and he came in and they sniffed it again, maybe in like early '80s. But I mean, they were. It's funny. They in Green Bay kind of disappeared right around the same time. It took Green Bay. Longer to come back. Kansas State had, had teams, uh, I think, uh, a couple of teams in there, certainly um, under Marty Schottenheimer, that uh, that got closer than Green Bay teams did for a while. But, uh, yeah, that, that was the, the last gasp, really, of the Kansas City Chiefs. They may have made the playoffs yeah. one additional year. No, they did not make the playoffs until 1986. Oh, so it was okay. And I think that was, uh, yeah, John Makovic. John Makovic, former Texas head coach as well. Yep. And then they made it again in ninety, and that, and then they, and then they became a perennial playoff team yeah. under Marty Schottenheimer. But yeah, that nineteen seventy one, they were ten three and one, and they were playing this divisional game on Christmas Day, and uh, did not make the playoffs again until nineteen eighty six. So it was no. really the descendancy of that and the ascendancy of the Miami Dolphins. Okay, no, that was a, that was the Dolphins doing sort of what uh, what they didn't do later in in, in Dan Marino's career was the chiefs were the favored team in that That game was at arrowhead. And I think everybody figured the chiefs would have given Dallas a better game than Miami gave them. Cause they didn't give them much of a game and they upset them. Um, and unfortunately for Miami, they were on the other end of that later on in their career with a Buffalo team that upset them when they should have been, they would have given a better game uh, to uh, I, I can't remember what year that was, but then certainly the year new England beat them when they could have gone and played the, uh, the Chicago yeah. Bears. 80, 85. They were at home for that championship game. 92 against the bills. You're talking about the shovel. Game. Pass game. Right. Uh, uh, that was at home as well. And, and I think everybody thought that Miami team would have given Dallas a much better game than, uh, than the bills though. The bills in that second uh, Dallas Super Bowl actually did play relative. Or was that the first one? 90. No, that was, that was the, uh, that was the one. second. That was the first time against Dallas. It was their second Super Bowl. Right. Oh, no, no, it was their third. I'm sorry. It was their third it Super Bowl. But... And it was the second against Dallas, and they were up 13-7 or whatever it was at yeah. halftime. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that's awesome. We're going to talk about those games. Derek, Derek is going to break those down. We're going to have a good time on Friday. And I also want to invite, because I think it's time, John, and, and you can shoot this down if you want, because this is a collaboration. It is not. I, I don't make unilateral decisions. 
we we don't you go can't with do you. it in a in a me in an office during a meeting though you're going to do it right here live you're going to make gonna, your decision right here live this this well, i'm just i'm just throwing it out there i think this is really the best place to do it jeff in a way for for a lot of reasons i think you agree with that and um i, I want to bring back a deep i want to bring back the deep dive and i'm okay. willing to be the first one to do it okay and um i'd like our listener to uh Write in on podcastafr at gmail.com. That's podcastafr at gmail.com with some ideas. Lenny, I know you threw in one when we were talking about bringing it back, um, a, a, you know, maybe a couple months ago at this point or certainly a few weeks ago. You had mentioned the 1960 uh, sports year. Obviously, Mazeroski uh, with that year, uh, it was uh, the first year that, you know, the, what the Packers did in 1960 against the Eagles. They turned everything around and basically – two years and we're in the championship game mm-hmm. and um there Only was championship a, game the Lombardi ever lost that's right and there was the the Olympics is that Rome the Rome yeah Cassius Clay Cassius Clay so there's there there's that's a possibility we did 1968 we've done 1941 in terms of years mm-hmm. but anything else out there a documentary that you would like to see that you haven't. That's how we started this whole thing back in the day, Johnny. Yeah, my favorite sports documentaries because it was back when that uh, was it the uh, the Bulls documentary. Doesn't that seem like 167 years ago? Um, the documentary on uh, the Jordan Jordan's Bulls. That was all we talked about. Yeah, for, for like a month because there were no sports going on. So we were saying, what documentary would you like to see? So 1960. All right, that's a uh, year of your birth. So throw yep. that in, maybe interview your mom. Nana, to come on, talk about 1960 and what it was, was like. born there. during a Niners game, which is what, what, what it was like when the doctor prescribed a quart of gin and two packs of Luckies for all expectant mothers. And, and uh, you know, seven or eight diet pills a day. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it explains a lot. Actually. I'm thinking speed, nicotine, and alcohol. That'll get you there. And That'll by the way, you're going to need a lot more of that once the kids are born, too. Good Lord. Uh, uh, one of the closest elections in American history was that year as well. Mm-hmm. Also, a lot of accusations of stealing that election. Yep. So, you know, there's there's that that happened 60 years ago. But neither uh, side could uh, be too adamant about that because I think they both realized they'd stolen votes on both sides. Yeah. And, you know, Nixon took the high road on that. And then th- there he is eight, eight years later winning the presidency. And, and then and then in four years after that. I think that still remains the biggest landslide of all time, John. Forty-nine states. Yeah, forty. He got uh, McGovern got Massachusetts right in and DC. The District of Columbia, Massachusetts in DC. That was it. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And I think uh, the difference was, you know, the difference this year is six million, which is not, which is a lot closer than most elections actually. Mm-hmm. Six million votes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know that year. What was the difference? How many millions of votes between Nixon and McGovern? Uh, 11 billion. <laughs> I don't think McGovern voted for himself. No, I don't I think, think, so. I think he admitted it later. He didn't get his own state, South Dakota. They didn't no. go for him. No one, no, no no. one George McGovern. 72 so, was a, that, uh, that's an interesting sports year as well. Actually, that's a good call, Johnny. That is a good call because it's that, that Munich Olympics, which Munich Olympics, um, it, and of course, started the amazing A's run, the undefeated yep. Miami Dolphins. Yeah, there's a lot, lot of 72. First year that I played uh, uh, organized football and my team, the Springfield Boys Club Rough Riders won the county championship. Yours truly is the starting guard on that team. And yeah, the 72 is a good one. 72 is a very interesting year. I should mention the aforementioned Steve Carricker, uh, who was an offensive lineman in college, was the quarterback on that eight-year-old team. And he was he was he was quite a fine quarterback. So 72 might have to think about that. Lenny mentions 1960, the AFL is also born. That's pretty interesting. That's great stuff. Then you can watch Full Color Football, which is available on YouTube. The great, uh, I believe it was a Showtime documentary um, or Cinemax. Anyway, um, five, I think it's five episodes, and it's the history. Every episode takes two-year period, and it's the history of the AFL. It's one of the most enjoyable documentaries on NFL you'll ever see. Okay, before we go, Joe Connolly has thrown out, do you guys agree with the Dolphins popping champagne and Zonka drinking his scotch? And, you know, for years, I'll speak for myself. I think John is with me on this. For years, it was, we couldn't have rolled our eyes anymore with all of that happening. It was like, please, are you kidding? You haven't won a championship since the Nixon administration. Really? Are you going to remind us all of that all this time? But at this point, 
It's Larry Zonka. He's in his seventies. Plus, we're Why old not? now. We're old now, and we know we'll Why? never have another achievement in our life. So, might right. as well drink to the ones we've had. Yes, some exactly. of some of those some of those years though were exciting. By the yeah. time, and they'd go to them during the at the end of the game to show them all doing it. They'd all be together. It was a pretty cool thing back in the day. Now, granted, now that is he the only one left? John, please, please. <laughs> Several others survive. No, there's Bob, Bob Greasy, Greasy still doing live. Uh, I think Mercury Morris is still alive. He is. Uh, uh, Paul Zaga was the only one they felt worthy of going to to show him drinking this guy. Well, he's always been kind of the most. It, it was he and Bonacani. Bonacani was then, and he's passed away. Yeah, and so uh, you know they they were the most adamant about. It. But I think uh, come on, it's it's fun. I agree. It's, and it's, wasn't Nick Bonacati like the Dolphins play-by-play guy on radio or something? So he was always involved. I think. Uh, I think. Uh, uh, he, I think he was uh, on he that. Might color commentary. I think yeah. he. I think he did that for a while. My buddy Steve Carricker, uh former University of Virginia football player and Peach Bowl champion, which Mark would have taken away from him until no, he was the Peach Bowl was told otherwise. Till he, till he, till he saw the light. Till he saw the light. Then he saw the light. Even before, even when I was in the dark. Even when I my eyes had not opened, yeah, and I and I had and I was not enlightened. Before that, I was still a fan of the Peach Bowl, of course. All right, okay, all right, fair enough. That's right. If it's fruit or a flower, you're good. But if it's some sort of a, another sort of item of any sort, then you're anything mechanical, a, anything mechanical. No. Anything mechanical. No. Yes. Yeah, Mark. Anything Mark mechanical. is very pre-industrial revolution. Well, I'm just I'm just keep it keep stay in your lane, people. You okay. know, flowers and and fruit. You know, the Rose Bowl had the flowers. You know, there's a lot of fruit happening. You know, there's a lot of people freezing. Orange Bowl, you could have come up with that. It's pretty quick. As the sure, bowl. sure. Well, I'm just mentioning because Steve, is, Steve has commented, which used to be the Tangerine Bowl, by the way, back in the day. Yeah. Um, as the kids used the to say. Uh, it was, uh, that was the Russia won the Olympic gold in basketball that year. It, 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 it incredibly controversial. Oh, my gosh. From, and HBO, actually, there's a documentary on that as well. And it's interesting because some yeah. of the best basketball players in the country did not go and play for Hank Iba in 72. Most notably, uh, Bill Walton. Uh, Bill Walton did not play, uh, which is interesting because 68, uh, Lou Alcindor didn't go. Uh, for soon to become Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and then Bill Walton. So UCLA centers apparently, apparently uh, they're as uh, anti-Olympics as you, Mark. They they don't love America. Bill yeah. Walton obviously did not love America at that point. <laughs> love me some Bill Walton. Yeah. Um, but that is that is absolutely a great uh, a great one because they're uh, that. I mean, what, what are they in hindsight? Three? Those guys have never gotten their silver medal. You know that, right? The guys who the seventy-two silver medal U.S. Olympic basketball team didn't show up to pick up the medals and the medals are still in uh, I believe Zurich Switzerland is where the uh where the Olympic uh, International Olympic Committee is housed wherever the most expensive Wasn't it three city different are. chances that Russia got yes. to win the game yes I mean it it was egregious was it, it not it was it was egregious it was egregious but it was it uh, also kind of spurred uh USA basketball I think to look Beyond, because Hank Iba, who was the coach then, and he is a legendary basketball coach, but I believe he was also a War of 1812 veteran. So uh, he was, you know, ancient and was not, that team should have been better than it was. Doug Collins, I believe, was the guard on that basketball team, but they never, ever got their silver medals. And this documentary. If Walton Walton had loved America more, they would have won that i agree but uh, the russian guys on that russian team were like we we wanted to have a uh, i was just going to do a bad russian accent i'm not going to do it uh but they they're like we should all get together and talk about the game and then they could pick up their silver medals and those guys were like no we don't want it we don't want it. that's a great together, have some vodka some vodka <laughs> 72 we talk about 72 is interesting 60 is interesting uh so if you want to chime in podcast afr at gmail.com I, I don't think the uh, episode 100 will work to bring back the deep dive because that's on a Friday before yeah. the holiday week and the NFL and the NCAA will be, you know, heating up. There'll be lots to talk about. So we'll figure out a time to do well, that. And then the 25th is on a Friday, right? This year is the 25th is on a Friday. So it I is. think we're probably not going to do a Christmas day show. Probably not. Probably. So, not. you know, and then it's new year's day. 
It is. So should we bring back, should we bring it back for 2021? Is that the question? We bring it back for 2021. Man. I think that's a good call. I think it's that's pre, a good let's call. Let's pre-record it and release it on Christmas. <laughs> pre-record another one and le- release it on New Year's Day. I don't know. Wow. That's actually kind of fun. The, the uh, Just to answer Joe Connolly, everyone knows that a fiesta is when fruits and flowers come together. Yes, indeed. And the Fiesta Bowl bought its way in. I never forget the Fiesta Bowl bought its way into with uh, in, into the rotation with that Penn State Miami matchup that they were able to put together. And I believe that was maybe the first year that they got Tostitos involved, and they threw a crap load of money at them. And that's how you got national championship games back then. Yeah, and and the Fiesta has you know been right there, right there ever since and is now one of the rotating national championship bowl games. So uh, they took it, advantage of the fact that they didn't have conference tie-ins at that time. And you had independents that were very, very good or conferences that didn't have bowl tie-ins. So right. smart, smart people out there. There are, there's no doubt about it. All right. So that's it for our show. Uh, I don't think there's anything else to talk about at this point, no. in time, except for the fact that yes, I am probably philosophically very against the Industrial Revolution. For Jeff Taylor, John Pelkey, I'm Mark Ferreira. This has been a fun show. We'll talk to you with Derek Abbott on Friday.